Duh, of course you should separate the art from the artist. An essay by Matt Ruby. That's me. The herbalism community is at war with itself over abuse allegations. That's the headline of an article from Vice Magazine in April of 2022. And it's an investigative piece on, quote, famed herbalist and teacher Susan Weed, who allegedly abused her apprentices. The charges are, well, a bit odd. Like, here's a quote. She was charged with choking her apprentice for incorrectly tying off a bag of lettuce. All right. Tie that lettuce correctly, I guess. And here's a quote from Weed. For the past 25 years, I've been telling women if they allow themselves to be called guys, they'll lose all their reproductive rights. I hate to be right. Okay. And then I enjoyed this line from the article. Quote, at conferences, there have been some heated exchanges over turmeric. Turmeric? Turmeric? However you say it. I mean, I guess, damn, that's spicy. And I don't know, famed and herbalist, they don't really seem like they belong in the same sentence. So that part feels weird to me. Also, her last name is Weed. And then she spells her first name S-U-S-U-N. I mean, that feels like a crime in itself. I wound up asking an herbalist friend about all this, and she replied, quote, it's massively confusing. It comes back to the famous thought-provoking question. Can we separate the art from the artist? Well, my reply, yes. I mean, the herbs either work or they don't. But then again, I'm a fan of separating artists from their art. Always have been. Here's a flashback. When I was growing up, I learned you should never ask a girl if you can kiss her. You know, you just be confident, go for it, that kind of thing. If you had to ask for permission, you'd already failed. But I'm a lifelong self-doubter, so I always hated that. I like asking questions. I like knowing if I'm invited to a party instead of just showing up unannounced. I would have loved to ask if it was okay to kiss a potential romantic partner, but society advised me that was a path for losers. Until I watched Annie Hall. In the movie, Annie, played by Diane Keaton, and Alvy, played by Woody Allen, are on their first date when Alvy suddenly stops and says, Hey, listen, listen, what? give me a kiss. Really? Yeah, why not? Because we're just going to go home later, right? And, and uh, there's going to be all that tension, you know, we never kissed before, and I'll never know when to make the right move or anything. <laughs> so we'll kiss now, we'll get it over with, and then we'll go eat, okay? Oh, uh, we'll digest our food better. Okay. Looking back at it now, it seems a bit crazy that the person who taught me this unforgettable lesson about consent was Woody Allen. Fast forward to years later and the disastrous impact smartphones are having on kids. For example, Stanford researcher Clifford Nass says, quote, face-to-face contact is the best way to learn other people's emotions. It's how kids learn empathy. Well, one of the first times I truly considered that notion was watching a comedy bit that went viral. And it was all about bullies, empathy, and the importance of facial expressions. Here's the clip. Just because the other stupid kids have phones doesn't mean that, okay, well, my kid has to be stupid, otherwise she'll feel weird. Right. You know, I, I think these things are toxic, I don't think they, especially for kids. They don't look at people when they talk to them, and they don't build the empathy. You know, kids are mean, and it's because they're trying it out. They, they look at a kid and they go, you're fat. And then they see the kid's face scrunch up and they go, ooh, that doesn't feel good to make a person do that. Right. But they, but they got to start with doing the mean thing. But when they write you're fat, then they just go, hmm, that was fun. I like that. <laughs> so, that tasted good. Yeah, exactly. This thoughtful lesson on empathy and the need to monitor facial expressions for signs of discomfort was delivered by 
Louis C.K. These lessons have stuck with me. Just because they come from people who are now on our cultural do not fly list, I don't feel like I should let these ideas go. After all, the ideas are not the person. And you know what? I'll admit it. I still enjoy Woody's movies and Louis's comedy. A lot. I know I risk outraging the social media police by saying that I'm supposed to have canceled them and, you know, anyone like them. And their art supposedly must now be ignored or else I'm complicit, part of the problem, morally inferior and sensitive to the victims, etc. But I just can't get with that. I have and will continue to separate the art from the artist because I think that's essential to appreciating art. Plus, I don't see how there's really any other choice. See, I've spent my life around artists, and generally speaking, they're kind of awful human beings. <laughs> I mean, not always, but frequently. I mean, these are people driven to spend decades of their life honing a craft in order to garner the approval and validation of strangers. Think about what kind of gaping wound it takes to choose that route instead of just, you know, being a kind, likable, decent person. And for what I've witnessed, the higher someone soars, the more likely they are to be fractured psychologically. Now, I'm not saying every great artist is a jerk a la Pablo Picasso. I mean, there are many exceptions, but let's be real. Many all-time greats reach those heights because they're narcissists trying to fill a hole. That's why they do what they do. Frequently, demons are the engine for the creations we love. Part of my attitude on this comes from my first exposure to art, which was via rock and roll. Rock fandom involved listening to people who were openly sinful. They were throwing TVs out windows, doing perverted things with groupies, and snorting everything in sight. But I wasn't turning to these people for moral guidance. I was turning to them for rock. I didn't want them to be nice. I wanted them to make great music. The last thing I expected was for them to be role models. We accept fluidity when it comes to gender, race, and sexuality. Yet for some reason, morality has to be binary. And forgiveness and compassion must be extended to murderers and rapists. But artists who misstep are subject to forever banishment. It all feels a bit, well, childish. Maybe it's simpler to view people and their creations as entirely good or bad, but that's just not how humanity works. The angelic, devilish sides of people are often wrapped around each other, and lives are frequently lived in ways that compensate for deficiencies, either real or imagined. And let's be real, morally pious people tend to make art that's boring and generic, you know, Christian rock or Disney stuff or things that seem like TED Talks or after-school specials. I don't know. I'll take Alice Cooper over just about any song with Jesus in it. Because the best art frequently comes from messed up minds. That internal wrestling provides fertile soil for complex, nuanced creations. I feel like part of the problem is we know too much now. It was easier when things were more of a mystery. Take John Lennon. All you need is love, eh? Well, tell that to the wife he used to beat. Thomas Jefferson owned slaves and fathered children with Sally Hemings. JFK was hopped up on pills and sleeping with White House interns. Martin Luther King plagiarized passages in his dissertation. Gandhi slept naked alongside young women in order to test his commitment to celibacy. I mean, they say don't meet your heroes. Well, don't Google them either. Good people do bad things. In fact, everyone does bad things. It's up to us to filter out the content from the provider. The Catholic Church may have committed heinous crimes, but that doesn't mean the golden rules should be canceled. Instead of canceling people, I wish we pushed them to admit, confront, and engage with their past behavior. Let's go back to John Lennon. He put his shame into the lyrics of Getting Better and wrote, I used to be cruel to my woman, and I beat her and kept her apart from the things that she loved. 
but Lennon reflected on the meaning of those lyrics later. He said, and I quote, I couldn't express myself and I hit. I fought men and I hit women. That is why I am always on about peace, you see. It's the most violent people who go for love and peace. Everything's the opposite. But I sincerely believe in love and peace. I am a violent man who has learned not to be violent and regrets his violence. I will have to be a lot older before I can face in public how I treated women as a youngster. End quote. Seems like John, well, got better. And even if he hadn't, I would still listen to the Beatles. I mean, viva compartmentalization, I guess. Sometimes it's the best way to handle the reality of human messiness. Also, aiming for 100% moral purity all the time requires an impossible level of policing. What are we supposed to do? Hire a private investigator to research the potential sordidness of any new artists we like? Of course not. So that means we only wind up policing, punishing the most famous artists while newer, unknown scumbags skate. Also, where are we drawing the line? Which transgressions are allowed and which are forbidden? I find it all kind of tiresome. When it comes to art surveillance, I choose blissful ignorance over joyless vigilance. It all reminds me of Bill Hicks' advice to the just-say-no crowd back in the 80s. His point of view? Get over thinking all drugs are bad or get rid of your favorite music. If you believe drugs don't do anything good for us, do me this favor, will you? Go home tonight, take all your albums and tapes, okay, and burn them. Because you know what? The musicians who made all that great music are real high on drugs. The Beatles were so high, they let Ringo sing a couple of tunes. Just like great music comes from people on drugs, great art often comes from people who behave badly. That's life. I can blame the messenger while still enjoying the message. I can think slavery is bad and still celebrate the Declaration of Independence. I can think Bill Cosby is a monster yet still marvel at his comedy and himself. Harvey Weinstein may be a scumbag, but I still love Pulp Fiction. And by the way, if you think he's the only producer in Hollywood who's done immoral things, well, I've got an NFT of a bridge to sell you. Look, the rest of the world is free to consume or banish whoever they'd please, but I want art that comes from outsiders' misfits and 'er ne'er-do-wells. Of course, I'd prefer it if they're not truly horrendous people, but I'm not going to conduct a lifelong investigation into every person who writes a song, makes a joke, or directs a film I like. And even if they are or were a bad human being, I don't need to divorce myself forever from their artistic output. The herbs, they either work or they don't. All right, now let's bring in producer Jeremiah McVeigh, who I feel like may have some dissenting <laughs> thoughts for us to discuss. Hey, Jeremiah. Hey. Yeah, dissenting or just a different point of view or, or set of opinions, I guess. Um, I guess my my first overall thing with just discussions about like cancel culture and all that is like so often it gets talked about as a binary and uh, by both by people on both sides of it, people sure. who uh, who are in favor of so-called canceling or people who are against it. Um, and I do think that there's a lot of nuance in there, both f- around the people who are um, 
facing cancelization, so to speak, and the people who are deciding to cancel them uh, from their lives, like uh, the individuals who have to make the decision about whether to consume their work or not, you know, so mm -hmm. not not necessarily like the the um, gatekeepers, so to speak, or like the reporters or something like that. But but then the also also the other thing is like I hate the term cancel in the first place. I think yeah, it's, it's just a bullshit term to me. It's just consequences. That's all it is. You're not being canceled. You're 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 being made to face consequences. And like I will I will admit that like I think that you know sometimes some people get treated in a way that doesn't seem to fit the the perceived crimes or actual crimes that they have uh, committed. Um, and I'm using crimes in the not in the like legal sense necessarily sure. here. Sure. Um, but yeah. So those are my first two things. <laughs> Well, but, I'll, and um, I'll just pop in with one point, which is, yeah. uh, I think consequences, I totally get that. There is some amount of punishment in some way, but it also seems to be very amorphous and there's no end date or, you know, like at least when right. someone's incarcerated, then they're released and we're supposed to like welcome them back into society and help them restart. And so I do think there's some sort of like amorphous air of punishment that goes on when people do bad things and and there seems to be a lack of clarity as to like are they ever welcome back when and how could that be done and right. I, I think that's part of where you know some of my issues with this whole sort of concept lie yeah and this is just off the top of my head in response to what you're saying right now i, I think that this is a conversation that's been going on for several years now but it's relatively not that long so i don't think we know um how long these people are going to be in this so-called like cultural prison or whatever you want to call it. Right. I, but I think that the way we react to this is unique to every person, you know, like, and, and I mean, I, I think it depends on the person. I think it depends on the consumer of the art or product, you know, like I, like for me, it's hard for me to watch a Woody Allen film because like I know what he is accused of and it seems like reasonable accusations. I'm not saying that he's guilty or not because I don't know that it's actually been proven, but like I understand the allegations and they seem very serious and shitty. Um, but the thing about his movies, I think, I think movies first off are a very collaborative form. So usually if, if it's like Kevin Spacey or something like that, I can still watch a Kevin Spacey movie because I know that 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 is a collaboration between him, a director, a writer, um, or writers, many other actors, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, I don't want to throw di out the he's whole diluted, thing. whereas Woody is 100 percent uh, concentrated. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you can't watch a Woody Allen movie and not see Woody Allen. It's, it's so much his personality. So it's sure. a different thing than watching. Um, I'm not going to say House of Cards because I can't really watch that, I think. But <laughs> that's the thing. Like, to me, it just depends on the work. It depends on the person. It depends on what they're accused of. And it just depends on how it makes me feel to watch it. You know, I can't listen to Bill Cosby anymore. Like, I appreciated his work until I knew what he had also done. And if if you can listen to it or someone else can, I understand that. Like, I can't do it. Sure. You know, and, and and at no point am I saying like people should be forced to consume stuff that they don't like or right. that sets them off or whatever else. So I totally get that perspective. Um, I guess. Uh, how do you know? Uh, like what? So 
can you just put your finger in your ears and like pretend you don't hear stuff and then just keep enjoying the art that you like? <laughs> like, like what if you just went offline and you just never heard all about all the bad things that people are doing and, and then you could just keep consuming things? Well, who wants to do that? Like, I, I want to live in the world and I like, you know, I interact with, with what's happening in the world. I'm aware of things, you know? I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I, I, don't, I don't want to hide from reality or something. It's just like reality exists and it affects me. I, I don't think it's that hard. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's fine. Yeah, I'm not saying if you don't like Woody Allen, you shouldn't watch Woody Allen movies. I feel like no, that's I, the thing. I, I, I love no, Woody Allen's movies. I just like I can't bring myself to watch them. I, I but you don't have to. No, the, no one's forcing yeah, yeah. you to. That's certainly not no, what exactly, I'm advocating exactly. for. No, I know, but and, but I think this goes back to your maybe one of your original points in this conversation of like I don't know how long the window is. But I haven't gotten there for me yet. I, I bet at some point I'll be able to. Maybe that's like after he's passed away and a couple of years have passed after that or something. Maybe I'll be like, you know what? I could watch Annie Hall again. But if I put Annie Hall on again right now, even though I have thought it is one of the greatest movies I've seen, and greatest comedies especially, um, I just don't know if I could get through it. And anytime I hear a Michael Jackson song come on, I'm like, in the back of my head, I'm like, oh God. <laughs> Uh, even though like I can recognize that beat is amazing, you know, like it sounds great, but like, I just have this icky feeling that like, I don't want to have. So I don't, I tried not to put myself in that position, you know? Um, yeah, it's I mean, it's not I, something I'm as able to do. Yeah. I guess maybe you are like, I guess I'm not as sensitive in that way. Whereas like when I hear, you know, you want to be starting something, I don't immediately yeah. go to like, oh, this person is, you know, uh, molesting children in a hotel somewhere. I'm just like, this is a good song. Like, you know, and right. I, and again, I go back to just being a rock and roll fan in general, like the, the list of albums and people that I would have to never listen to again, because they've done heinous things would be so long that I would lose so much of my favorite music that I think it would be, uh, that would be sad and make me sad and I don't know who would help or what benefit it would have on the universe. And if I feel that way about music, I guess it feels like a little hypocritical to feel differently about, you know, filmmakers or comedians or other art forms. Right. Well, again, I think that like, I, I, obviously music is collaborative, but it's less people than a movie. Like a movie sometimes is dozens, if not hundreds of people working on it, you know? So like, I, I, I tend to think of it as like, if you want to call it dilution, um, <laughs> I, maybe that is what it is, but sure. Like I mean, but like Michael Jackson worked with like Quincy Jones and Eddie Van yeah. Halen, a bunch of musicians. There's all the guys at the record label. Like, I mean, if I really want, but he's the I'm, voice I hear. That's he's true. The voice that's I hear. true. That's the thing. Yeah, and it's the same thing for Woody Allen. Like, that's what makes him different for me in the in the film. Um, yeah, it's the well. I mean, realm. the auteur model is interesting because it is a lot, what you're bringing up is something that's interesting, and I do tend to like artists who work like that you know i think of like yeah. richard linkletter like woody allen uh even louis when he was making his tv show like yeah you almost feel on some level like you're in a relationship with this person and right. then if they're a person who gives you the creeps or you just have an ick instant you know reaction to them you know being involved with their artwork can be challenging i guess i could see yeah. that on some level i think maybe for whatever reason i'm pretty good at compartmentalizing so right. for me, I can, or in general, I've found it fairly easy to be like, oh, well, yeah, that person's terrible. And I really like this movie or this comedy bit or this song. And 
Right. Like when R. Kelly Ignition Remix comes on, I'm going to like, yeah, man, this beep, 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 toot, toot. You know, like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. How, how can I deny, how can I deny this? I'd be lying to myself. But of course, right. he's like a terrible person. So, right. um, yeah. And, and, but I do also think your point in the essay about John Lennon is a good one that it seems like he recognized the mistakes he'd made and, was open to making amends and was trying to, at least in a musical way of like putting it out there as like, I did this, like, yeah. you know, which is, I don't want to call it a brave thing to do, but it's, it's a thing he did. I mean, apparently it is brave when you look at how much these other artists seem unwilling or incapable that of is con- true, confronting. I think that's a good the, way of these al- allegations yeah. in their art. Like imagine if Woody made a movie where he really, well, I, yeah. I, I don't even know if he could do it. But I think there's yeah. some people who have been accused of things that, wow, if they really like kind of depthfully explored what happened, who they were, what have they learned, and and how are they leading their lives differently, we might like kind of welcome them back in a way right. that a lot of these guys are just like, well, I'm not even going to talk about it. Yeah, but my, my other point that I want to make, though, is that I think there's a big difference between herbs or even ideas and the actual art that contains the ideas. You know, like I, I think it's, I think the thing that Louis said about smartphones and kids, it's so good. Mm. It's such a good observation and such good advice. If you want to take it as that of like, maybe don't let your kid have a phone for a while. Let them like develop without that. Um, it's, it's amazingly good advice, but I don't want to hear him say it. Like, but but that's fine. I can still no- have that knowledge that I take from him, but still not watch his stand up or whatever if if it makes me feel weird or whatever. Because like I don't know if he's really made true amends. Like I just literally don't know. Like it, yeah. it, it seemed like he disappeared for a while, then started doing shows, and people were riled up about it. And I just never really engaged with it from there. So that, that I just didn't care at that point. Yeah, I mean you know? the the burden is on us as consumers of these people's art to sort of like you know, track down like how much they've engaged with, like, are these allegations valid? How much have they engaged with them? You know, it's like really puts us in like a, a weird zone where we're supposed to be like sort of judge and jury and executioner for uh, people and, you know, scenarios that we, a lot of times really don't know enough about. I would just say that I think you can only be judge and jury for your own perspective and and consuming of that art or that work you know like you it's not like me trying to say like nobody else can act a way that is not the same as how i'm acting towards this it's just me saying like this is what works for me and like i and i do think art is supposed to be something of a conversation it's not supposed to just Mm. be like here's a thing take it it's supposed to be here's a thing take it in and you know like try to examine it and see how it makes you feel and so if in the process of it making me feel things, it makes me feel these things about them as a person that I'm just like, why the fuck do I want this in my head? Why am I going to do that? The other side of that is if it is something that you really care about and, and you want to like explore, like, has this person truly made amends? Do, do, does what they have said um, and done to make that amends, like, does it, does it ring true? Does it seem genuine? Like, I'm fine with doing that homework if it's something that is actually meaningful to me and I want back in my life, you know, but I just, I don't have a good example to point to because like I said, I think that the, this era of so-called cancel culture is still, it's not a long era. It's only been going on since like 2016, 2015, maybe, you know, and uh, you know, we haven't had to really 
get to the end game of, of it for anybody yet that I know of. I mean, maybe I'm wrong and, and just don't know about the person that that's happened with, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I hadn't considered that we need to wait longer, like to figure out what it is. I mean, it it does seem uh, this idea. I found out that someone has done something bad, and I am going to distance myself from that person and this thing. Does seem to be a, a fairly pervasive strain in our society right now, mm-hmm. uh, and. I guess like the idea like, well, we just need to wait a little bit longer to see how it plays out could be valid. But I also feel like on some level we can have opinions on on how how that is being wielded and like, you know, uh, what we're doing as a society. And just going back to, you know, the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution, like, yeah, we know a lot of these people own slaves and did morally reprehensible things. Also, right. they created some of the most incredible documents that have ever been known to man and have you know generated democracy and like yeah. i i get it like you know like how, how do we can't we keep these beautiful creations while also being like yeah they did stuff that we don't approve of now and like leave room for that as a concept yeah yeah i mean i think that in a way if someone produced something of such great importance and such deep um feeling or ideas um, that it's going to outlive them. And those documents outlived those people who lived lives that did not match the output that they were giving us, you know, like they didn't live up to the ideals they were espousing in the the declaration of independence or the constitution. Um, That's the power of those documents that they were bigger than the people who wrote them, you know? And I think you could make that case for, a lot of these artists we're talking about that their work is hopefully bigger than they are and can outlive them and um, have a life of its own. I just think that in this age where we are bombarded with information about everything, whether we want it or not, um, it's hard to f- for me and other people to filter out the information about the artists in the moment. Like mm-hmm. I think that, like I said, honestly, if I'm not wishing death upon Woody Allen, that's not what I'm saying here. But like, I do think it's going to be easier for me to engage with his work after he has passed away. And he's not a young man. So that's like, that could happen in my lifetime, obviously, you know, I think that, but the, the exception to that seems to be Michael Jackson. Maybe I just need more time or something. Cause like, obviously he's been passed away for quite a while, but I still feel weird when I hear his music. That's just on me. I'm not saying that's on anybody else. That's just on me. Sure. But I do think, again, I go back to my original point of like, I think that that this is a personal relationship in a way between the artist and the person looking at the art and how their, their relationship to that person uh, makes them feel um, based on the information they know or don't know. You yeah, know? totally. And also, I, I think especially with people who are still producing art, to go to your point, I totally get why someone wouldn't want to like support financially someone right. who they find That's reprehensible true. if you don't want to buy someone's album or go see their movie because you know that will actually be putting money in the pocket of someone who, That's you, a great who you disapprove yeah. of. So I think that would, would add in to the timing thing too. So. All right, I guess they all just have to die and then we can be we can dive back into their canon and feel good about ourselves. Maybe maybe that's the end game here. I, well, I'm not saying that. I cuz I again, I do think like I, I think amends can be made. It's just 
who's done it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe R. Kelly, when he gets out of jail, will be our role model. <laughs> we'll see about that. Hey, if he could, if he could pull that off, that would be super impressive, and I think uh, a standard to live by. But come on, <laughs> is it going to happen? Probably not. Fair enough. Fair enough. And now for some quickies. I'm not sure why the price of sandwiches doubled over pandemic. There shouldn't be a $7 surcharge just because the menu font switched to Garamond. I propose we change the name of therapy to Doom Zooming. Remember Chat Roulette? starting to think it taught us an important lesson. Go deep enough and the internet always winds up at the same place. With a guy alone in a room masturbating at you. You can subscribe to or follow this show just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have a moment, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, or anywhere else that allows you to do that. And when I say that, I mean, like, leave it a good review. I feel like that's obvious, but if, you, if you're just going to leave it a bad review, you, you don't have to. Anyway, it helps others find the show, which I really appreciate. Uh, if you want to reach out to me directly, you can email me at mattruby at hey.com. That's mattruby at H-E-Y dot com. And if you like this podcast, you should subscribe to the Rubes Letter, where what you just heard first appeared. You can find that at mattrubycomedy.com slash subscribe. And while you're at mattrubycomedy.com, you can also find links to my Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok, where I post clips of my stand-up and other stuff, too. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. This podcast is produced by Stereoactive Media. Stereoactive Media.